Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to our weekly Gentleman's Hour today on Trending. Coming up, joining me will be Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. He is the author of Assassination Generation, and he'll be here to weigh in on the Nashville Christian school shooting that took the lives of six people three of whom were very young children. Uh, Interesting facts have come out so far with little information that we do have, uh, but this woman um, actually identified as transgender. And I think it ties into this culture of isolation that we're struggling with. As we see these school massacres occur, we often ask why. And so to discuss that today on Trending in just a moment will be Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. We'll also unpack what is fear of the Lord. Is it important? Is it the same as the common fear we might discuss when you hear of things such as shootings that occur uh, in our nation or fear of spiders? Um, We'll talk about that and how it brings proper order. That is, fear of the Lord brings proper order to our lives when we understand this is one of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Joining me now is Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. He's a former Army Ranger, a West Point psychologist professor. He's currently a law enforcement trainer. Uh, His reading has been required, uh, reading actually, in fact, for law enforcement as well as military uh, individuals. And he's also the author of numerous books, including Assassination Generation and a book that has to do with the psychology of killing. Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman is here with me now to talk about the Nashville Christian School shooting and its connection to transgenderism. He's an expert on this topic, especially in light of his book I have here with me, Assassination Generation. It connects video games, aggression, and the psychology of killing all together to make sense of something that seems so nonsensical, and that is the massacre of children, shootings at schools. Uh, welcome back to Trending, Lieutenant Colonel. Hello, Timory. It's so good to be back on board with you and your great listeners. Uh, and so sad it's under such a tragic circumstance. You know, we've, we've discussed before uh, the role of faith in these massacres. We, now, this is an adult coming to a school to commit a massacre. And by the way, the, the word shooting, you know, shooting is an Olympic sport. Uh, we need to look at our language on these terrible mass murders, these massacres. But uh, uh, there has never been a juvenile commit a multiple homicide in their school in a faith-based school. So any Christian school, uh, it, it just, it now it could happen tomorrow. But we're as certain as we can be that a kid in a Christian school is not going to commit a multiple homicide. It's extremely rare. I know of only two solo homicides that ever happened in a faith-based school. But the external threat to those faith-based schools is enormous. And this brings us back to the transgender side of this whole edition. Now, first off, this person was, was a gamer, a rabid gamer. And, and she put herself into a male environment. And she identified as male. And she was the Avenger. Her, her role in the video game 
was to hunt down and kill people who had done her wrong and done other people wrong. Now, this online gaming community is vicious. It, it is just absolutely vicious that the language that, that, that people will say things and do things online, they would never do in person. Mm-hmm. And this vicious, vile environment created this individual. The video games are the, are the, the murder simulator that, that she embraced. But she, also, she wore this beret, this red beret, which is one of the major characters on, on one of the killing video games. Uh, and she, no one's talking about this. No, no one's revealing well, even looking at of this rabbit video gaming of, about her role in video gaming. But then the other half of the equation is a transgender group. This is a group that is a grievance. They're totally focused on their grievance. Uh, and and what, what a crime it is that, that we're not doing double mastectomies on 12-year-olds when they need it and they want it. You know, that we're, we're not putting, putting hormone blockers in the, in the bodies of, 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 of nine-year-olds. You know, uh, Bill Maher, not much good comes out of his show, but he talked about the whole transgender insanity. Uh, Bill Maher said, look, I want to be a pirate when I was a kid. Thank God nobody chopped my hand off, gave me a hook. You know, thank God nobody poked my eye out, gave me an eye patch, you know. Uh, I, I, children of that age, the, the idea of doing these things to children is flat out evil. And and this this community has this sense of grievance that's being fed by the media. If you don't call them by their preferred pronoun, then you're evil. You call them by their dead name. You call them by not by their preferred pronoun. It's interesting that here's a transgender female who from the very beginning was identified as she and female. You see, somehow when you're evil transgender who bad stuff, you're no longer called by your preferred pronoun. I don't know what the rules of this game is, but it's a sick and twisted game. And, uh, and we've got to become aware mm-hmm. of the external threat to the faith-based community. Right. And uh, something interesting given, you just yeah. mentioned, you know, in death, we recognize reality. Isn't that interesting? We celebrate the good and we often point to the bad at times. And I think that's a moment where you just noted that they're suddenly referring to this woman as a woman, even though that's not what she identified as. Uh, yeah, that's what the police are calling her. Right from the beginning, everybody in the news called her. She used the she pronoun. And I thought, I thought, well, well, she must be a guy, right? A biological male who's identifying because that's what they do but they dropped it from the very beginning with this person and you kind of see how they they don't want to take the transgender issue they don't want this person to be represented transgender and and so mm-hmm. you know they, they lost their their personal pronoun and but but there's an angle on all this uh, Timmy, we've talked about it before how absolutely essential it is to have our schools secure now in in this case uh, uh, the, the door was locked. The killer shot out the glass, opened the door, and came in and murdered murdered for, for, for over 10 minutes. Uh, it, mm. it, it's chump change with the laminate film on the glass. Uh, any glass on the door or beside the door, interior doors, exterior doors, must have the laminate film. That um, we're, we're big fans of, uh, of, of one that we have on our website. My website, by the way, is, uh, is grossmanontruth.com, grossmanontruth.com. And we've got the, the best laboratory demonstrated uh, uh, available laminate, but for a couple of hundred bucks, of, of which is chump change. Half the cost of modern building goes in a fire code. For a couple of hundred bucks, a laminate film on the front door, she would not have been able to commit this crime. She'd, she'd have been shooting at it and, and howling at the moon. And the cops would have come in and we would have never even heard about it. So a couple hundred bucks of, of protected material on that door and those kids would all be alive today. This is so enormously frustrating. And then we've never had a multiple homicide in a school when there were armed educators in the school. Now, across America, 85% of all the counties, Ohio, almost all of 
Florida, we've, uh, except the private schools in Florida, uh, we've got armed educators. A third of all schools in Texas, two, two school districts in California had armed educators for decades, and they passed a law to stop them from doing it. But across America, we've had 100% success. Now, here we've got, again, the principal, the head of the school, was the first one to die. An unarmed woman charged the killer. Now, we saw that in Sandy Hook. An unarmed woman just charged the killer. What did she think she's going to do? But I had... Mm-hmm. I had an elementary school principal tell me one time, she said, I will die for my children tomorrow. Give me something besides my keys in my hand when that day comes. Those were taught me. Right. And praise Those God educa- she was willing to do that. You know, the fact yes. that the head of the school, a female, charged the killer. And I noticed that in the six names that were released, three children, three adults. She's the first one she to had die. The cur- she had the courage, the first one to die, even in the midst of not being armed or prepared. But she knew these children are entrusted to my care. And look at that level of responsibility she had, even yeah. with not being prepared. And, and anybody in authority in that school will live the rest of their life in hell because they didn't have the laminate film and because they didn't have armed security. Now, we're in a state in which armed security is the norm, armed citizens are the norm, and, and, and they rebelled against it. And the bad guy is going to seek out those places where they can't shoot back. Uh, the El Paso Walmart massacre and his manifesto, this killer said, you know, don't go to places where they can, they can shoot back to fulfill your call of duty fantasy. He flat said in his manifesto, he was going to take his call of duty fantasy and turn it into reality. But they're seizing wow. the place where people can't shoot back. And, and these, these, these teachers will die for their kids, but they accomplish nothing if they haven't been given the, train, the training, the tools to protect themselves. And, and the media has lied extensively about armed educators. 85% of all counties in Ohio had some armed educators. Uh, they've got a, a week-long program. You have to be nominated by your fellow educators. You have to arrive with marksmanship skills. You don't gain the level of skill that's required in just a week. Uh, a reporter from the New York Times, uh, from, I'm sorry, London Times, reporter from the London Times came and took this, uh, this, uh, this class. At the end of the week, he said, I never thought I would say this. After having seen the people taking this training, after having seen the training, I now support armed educators in the school. London Times, mm-hmm. page five, buried and never mentioned again. Mm-hmm. So a judge in Ohio passed the law, a, a judge made a, a, a decision that they're not getting sufficient training. And these educators across Ohio successfully for 20 years, uh, 85% of all counties, he said they're not getting sufficient training. So Ohio rammed through a law that said, yes, they are getting enough training. How did the media report it? Ohio lowers the standards to be armed educators in schools. <laughs> so this, wow. this sickness, mm-hmm. uh, and of course the media has the blood on their hands. They're turning our children with these murder simulators. They're, they're, they're feeding this death and darkness to our children, and they got to point the finger somewhere else. Oh, it's the evil guns. Oh, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's the evil cops. And, and, and it's not. It, it's the evil in the heart of man. Mm-hmm. And the answer for our nation is Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and the saving grace of his blood. But we need to understand that we also have a, a responsibility to protect, protect physically uh, ourselves and our children. And all of these parochial schools out there that say it could never happen here, who don't have the laminate film, who aren't doing the things that could be legally done that cost virtually nothing, those who have the money for an armed police officer on scene, uh, we've never had a multiple homicide in a school with armed educators. If there was, the media would have said so. But there's only been two cases where there was a multiple homicide in the school with an officer present in the building. 
And the two exceptions were Santa Fe, Texas and, and uh, Oxford, Michigan. In both cases, the minute the cop got there, not, not another kid died. We can prove to you statistically having a cop in that school is the single best thing. Having armed educators in the schools costs nothing. And, and there's simple things that do. Laminate film on the doors. We, we saw it in the Sandy Hook school massacre where the killer shot out the glass, opened the door. Here we are 20 years later with the exact same crime. How many times did it have to happen mm-hmm. before we put 100 bucks worth of laminate film on the front door, uh, any glass on the door beside the door, interior, exterior doors? It doesn't do any good to lock so the door glad. when you can shut yeah. out the glass. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I mean, these are simple solutions to help protect schools, classrooms. And I know you mentioned that you can find more about that grossmanontruth.com. That's G-R-O-S-S-M-A-N on truth.com. We'll post a link in the episode notes for today's podcast episode, as well as in social media posts as well. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E to get that. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Trending with Timmery here on Relevant Radio. That's Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman with me today. We're talking about the Nashville Christian School Massacre, the connection that this woman identified as transgender as well, uh, the woman who um, was taken down by police there at the scene after having killed six people, including three children. Um, These are one of these moments, Lieutenant Colonel, where, you know, I think a lot of people hear about these horrible things that are happening. And some shut down, say, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. It's not my community. But I think that you really pointed to a handful of important things. Um, young people, um, students don't have student and student killing in Christian schools. Um, we know that. We also know that, as you mentioned, you know, having that laminate on the windows is helpful, extremely helpful for saving lives. Um, you mentioned the importance of locking doors with that. Uh, so we have all these things, but I think also uh, addressing the fact that this murderer, this young woman who murdered these six people, that she needed help. And the connection to the fact that she identified as transgender, the fact that you mentioned she was known as an avid video game player, which ties into your book, Assassination Generation, explaining all of this, really points to the fact that there's a lot we can do to help those who are suffering in our society before they perhaps have an axe to grind with a Christian school, because as we know, this woman went to this school. It was a targeted attack on a Christian school. Um, What can we do to help rather than to hinder people who are truly suffering with a real psychological stymieing of their ability to reason? And I think that that's a part of what's at the heart of this conversation as well, that the culture has promoted transgenderism, has promoted gaming as normal, yet this has led this young woman to a level of isolation and psychological damage that she was willing to go and kill three children, not even just three adults. It just breaks your heart. But one other thing to wrap your mind around, is she wasn't even there for a full year. She wasn't in the yearbook. It was like third grade, 20 years ago. She attended for less than a year, and she's got this grievance that in her entire lifetime, of all the people that had done her harm, it was in the third grade that they failed to give her the, the gender-affirming, whatever it was that this culture of grievance is being fed. And I love the work you've done recently with isolation. I love the book that you've, uh, you've recommended. I wasn't aware. I've been let my whole network know about this, this isolation dynamic. And the video games and the isolation are completely interwoven. I've got a book coming out just about a year and a half, two years away, called On Sleep, the, global, the tragic impact of a global epidemic of sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that before. But sleep deprivation makes you irrational. It truly, truly makes you psychotic. It, it impairs your judgment. 
And so the video games create this, this impaired judgment. And then they, they, the fight or flight hormones flood through your body. We got the brain scan data. Violent visual imagery, especially violent video games, inflicted upon children. And again, all the way up to mature adults in video games, they have fight or flight hormones. Their brain is marinating in constant fight or flight hormones. We have catastrophic shutdown of forebrain processing and midbrain becomes active. The fight or flight hormones are, are active. Catastrophic shutdown of left brain processing. Logical, rational, predictive behavior when you are fighting for your life is not a survival skill. So where your meal is coming from tomorrow is not on the radar screen when they're fighting for their life. And these, these, these video games cause their brain and their mind to constantly marinate in grievance, in grudge, in violence, in sleep deprivation, catastrophic shutdown of left brain processing. We got the data. I think it's something really important for your listeners to know. Again, in my book, Assassination Generation, the, the, the data saying how bad the video games are. People say, oh, I played those games. I'm not a killer. When I was a kid, I never buckled my seatbelt, and I'm just fine. Not every kid their belt unbuckled died, but most of the kids who died had their seatbelt unbuckled. Not every kid who plays the games becomes a killer, but all the killers played these games. Mm-hmm. These crimes have never happened in history, and now they're everywhere. The juveniles committing the crimes, and now they're adults committing crimes we never dreamed of. But we need to understand that we can protect our children. You and I both know Melanie Hempy at uh, ScreenStrong.com. Yes. They've got an amazing program, ScreenStrong.com. Every class of cops, every school safety class, every fire service class, I, I say, I outline the danger and I tell them, here's what you can personally do with your family, ScreenStrong.com. I don't know if you know it, but Melanie said they now have a, a youth program but at 91 Catholic schools are adopting in the coming year. And, and this is this this is this TV turnoff detox program uh, focused at children to explain why we're doing it and how we're doing it. We had an entire school district in upstate Michigan a decade ago detox their kids. Mm-hmm. It was a 10-day TV turnoff, cut violence in half, cut bullying in half, and raised test scores double digits. So oh, we can do so much. We, yes. They'll get that sleep. They'll, they'll turn that that hate out of their heart, they turn that violence out of their heart, they'll take away the social isolation and integrate back in with their family if you just detox, mm-hmm. turn off the games, turn off the violent TV, and, and, and bring your children back to life. Go to the park, uh, go and rejoice, go to, go to worship services and mass, and, and rejoice in these things that have fulfilled mankind throughout the ages. This is what their heart needs and what they right. truly desire. And I keep thinking, too, that this is a woman who spent part of a year going to this Christian school, sometimes we lash out at those very things we desire most that could fix us, like, right? So sometimes kids will lash out at their parents because they're mad that their parents didn't give them more or didn't help them with those very things they're struggling with. And so perhaps this is part of that crisis that this woman had in lashing out at a Christian school and being willing to kill children there, that in the midst of her pain and her suffering, she didn't have the resources. And, you know, Christians who express that, you know, we can help through that God-given identity she didn't get everything she needed from them in that brief time she had. I think it's a reminder to see that we as people of faith have something so important to offer people who are struggling, offering 
wholeness, healing, help in Jesus Christ alone. Um, and that we believe that there's more to life than this identity crisis that so many people are struggling through. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel, you mentioned ScreenStrong.com, an excellent resource, especially on the topic of video gaming. I wish we could dive more into that topic today. Um, but to detox from video gaming is so important. You know, so many of us have been in that situation where, you know, we're in maybe a social environment, friends, family, and one of the kids who's spending a lot of time screen gaming doesn't have the ability to eat the meal everyone's eating or to engage in conversation and isolates himself or sometimes herself from everything else that's going on because those social skills, all of that's being lost by this tunnel vision of video games or social media. And so I want to come back talking about the impact of isolation on all of us, young people, adults, everyone, in light of the Nashville Christian School Massacre. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray. That's been Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. He's the author of numerous books, including Assassination Generation and on Killing, touching on the psychology of killing. We're going to dive more into this topic of what happened in Nashville and how isolation has led to this massacre. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Welcome back to our weekly Gentleman's Hour today on Trending. If you have a question for my guest, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, number one, 888-914-9149. He weighed in on the school massacre the Nashville Christian School Massacre, if you missed that conversation, I want to continue that. Um, Some of the facts that have come out include that this woman, 28-year-old woman, who killed six people, um, identified as transgender, so she called herself a man. She also struggled with video games, all of which really is a part of this isolation we're seeing in the culture. And so I want to talk about isolation, how it's impacting so many of us today and what to do about it. But before we go there, uh, there was an interesting question that came in. Uh, Someone called in, Lieutenant Colonel, asking about about the impact that this young woman might have um, it might have had on her if she was taking testosterone um, and if she was going through that transition. So I thought that was an interesting tie in, Lieutenant Colonel, because we know that when a woman takes testosterone, right, those cross-sex hormones to try and come into suddenly uh, an identity of the opposite sex, that especially testosterone um, emboldens a woman, it causes her to be more aggressive and confident. And so I believe this absolutely could have played a factor in the fact that she was willing um, to break down those barriers that are so feminine for a woman to go so far as to kill children and how the video games also did that through isolation and again breaking down those natural barriers that would prevent you from taking another human life. Can you talk on that for a moment? Well you know again I only know of one case where multiple homicide in the school was committed by female. It was very early on it was in the uh, in the, the the 1980s, I think, uh, one of the very early ones. So, so with that one exception, to my knowledge, we don't have any females ever committing one of these crimes, and now we do. And it just so happens that she's an individual who's embracing male dynamic. Male, the video games are rare for females, and then that the idea, if the hormones are present, and this is brilliant, it's something we should be looking at. This is this is you know, females have have lots of. Of dynamics of the viciousness that they're capable of, but they don't commit mass murders like this nearly as often. It's un- practically unheard of. And the presence of the male hormones inside the female body, the shock dynamic that's going on, 
could easily have been part of it. Again, that that whole culture is saturated in violence. This idea that uh, you know, if, if we disagree with what you're doing, we, we, we're not going to come kill you. We, we don't want you to do it to our children. We're going to try to protect our children. What you do as adults, but if if, if they disagree with what we're doing, they come kill us. You know, so the, this whole left dynamic. You you know, it's funny. We had the uh, one of the Supreme Court justices uh, released a book uh, coming up, a contract, and we had three hundred authors who said we don't believe in censorship, but in this case. We should censor the female Supreme Catholic Supreme Court justice. And they, wait, wait a minute. We don't believe in, 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 in censorship, except when it disagrees with you. And that's what we've got. We've got the left who are all just absolutely ready to go to war, ready to kill, ready to censor. 300 authors who, who hate censorship, but this Supreme Catholic Supreme Court justice needs to be censored. This is the evil of the left. And, and ours is, should be, must be a realm of forgiveness. And protection. We will protect our children. We will offer you the loving path to to eternity through the blood of Jesus Christ. We we will embrace you into our community, uh, and, and we need to be sure to hang on to that. You know, when you talk about isolation, uh, it, what's it's fascinating to see what none of these killers are. Uh, none of these killers have participated in any kind of, of disciplined adult-led behavior. None of them are, are in martial arts. One of them, the kid in Springfield 20 years ago, dabbled for two weeks and dropped out. The video game, oh, he was a, he had a, a, a purple, but what the lowest rank is? And, and, and you know, it, that's the only exception. Oh, none of these were in, in, in varsity sports, and none of the killers ever were hunters. Uh, my, need, my newest book uh, just came out last week is on hunting. And, and it really is about the ecology and the, and the psychology of the hunter throughout history, the need to get outside. You know, if you have anybody that out there hunting or thinking about hunting, you've got friends who are hunters, uh, look at the book On Hunting by Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. Uh, another thing is, is the, again, stopping the isolation, getting outside. Uh, there was a wonderful study that was done uh, across Twitter and looking for words like like fun and, and wonderful and delightful and, and what it was associated with. Well, first was Christmas. You know, that's a delightful time. We had so much fun. It was joyful. But on par of the equal joy with Christmas was parks. Anytime somebody b- talked about going to the park, they talked about how joyful it was, how fun it was. It, it, I mean, going to the park is it, kind of the level of joy of Christmas. And it's right there for everyone. Instead of sitting and playing this game, take your kids to the park. You know, uh, not all video games are bad. A good one that I always kind of liked was called Sim City, and and we knew how parks and playgrounds were essential to the health of the city. Mm-hmm. So if, if parks and playgrounds are essential to the health of the city, what's it mean? You have empty parks and empty playgrounds. You have a sick city. Yeah. Yeah. And every time you drive past a park, you drive past a playground on a nice day, and there's one or two lonely kids out there. You tell yourself, we have a sick city. There's thousands of kids sitting at home right now, watching TV, playing video games that ought to be out in this park right now. And it's joyful beyond anything the video game will be. They didn't have people talk about how joyful the video game was, how much fun they had. No, no, it was parks that floated right to the top as being a source of joy and the need to get outdoors. We mentioned that in On Hunting, of being part of nature, being part of the cycle of nature. Uh, of harvesting your own, you know, natural natural protein. Uh, there, there's a lot 
about just getting those kids outside and getting them to find joy in the yes. things we do outside. It's interesting you mentioned this, and I had no idea about your new book. Congratulations on hunting. Fantastic new book. I can't wait to read it. A Definitive Study of Mind, Body, and Ecology of the Hunter in the Modern World. I look forward to seeing the psychology of all of this because I know psychology is your background as well, in addition to your military background and service. Um, Lieutenant Colonel, it's interesting you mentioned how important getting outside in the park is. I remember, you know, when my daughter was just one year old, you know, I had to have some extra time now and again. And, you know, we've had land, thankfully, over the last year, but just stopping at the park and going up and down the slide. And I remember one of the times I had like 15 minutes to stop at the park and she was so elated to just go down that slide over and over again, just the joy it brought to go outside. And even, you know, in Southern California, here we are, it's been raining for practically three straight months, which is so out of the norm. I moved back from the Midwest and it's raining but to even see for her when she she keeps commenting over and over again about the rain and I finally realized last week it was because she can't go outside and how necessary that was for her and then finally it's sunny and just being able to go outside run around barefoot dig in the dirt you know water some plants kick the ball around how profoundly necessary that is for a child I remember seeing a study and I hope maybe you'll cover this in your book as well um just that the child needs many hours outside actually based even just on their age and how even we as adults don't get the number of hours we need outside that's good for our mental psychology and our bodily health and I think that brings us back, Lieutenant Colonel, to this topic today uh, of isolation, the impact that isolation has had. You tied it into the crisis of video gaming and social media. It's interesting when we tie it even into the Nashville Christian School Massacre and the fact that this woman who murdered these three children and three adults um, was a part of that transgender movement. And I think there's a lot that has pointed very clearly that tr the transgender movement is a part of identity politics. And identity politics is socially isolating. It creates false division, this idea of them versus us, you versus me. Uh, it implements this idea of blame even on Christians and others, um, even just for this simple idea of calling for conversion. And I think that what's interesting about the trans movement as well, Lieutenant Colonel, is that it says that there's no difference between men and women, boy, girl, which leads to this idea that there are no relationships. Because if I'm not a boy, if I'm not a girl, if there's no uh, definition in terms of who I am, that means there's no such thing as a relationship. And that in and of itself is isolating because people who identify as transgender are isolating themselves out of their own choice from their families and friendships out of the invitation and guise of the so-called loving transgender movement. And that isolation is so damaging for the individual. It absolutely is, and and this toxic community that 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 grooms these uh, these individuals from the youngest age and uh, and, and tells them that it, it, it's evil if if you don't get a you know double mastectomy when you're twelve and and get this gender affirming surgery done. It was really pioneered in Scandinavia, and they're about a decade ahead of us on this goofiness. And they're saying, "Don't do it." We we recognize that it's wrong. We recognize it's evil because. They all, they, all these, these kids grew up and sued these doctors and destroyed these hospitals and, and came after the teachers that groomed them and even the parents who encouraged them to, to get a double mastectomy when they're, when they're 12. Mm -hmm. and, and as adults, they're coming back by the thousands. 
suing their parents, suing right. their teachers, suing the doctors and the hospitals are being destroyed. We're not even hearing about it. Mm-hmm. And, and we're seeing some of that already. We're seeing these individuals who are becoming adults and speaking out about what happened to them at a young age and what a what a vicious, vile thing it was to do this to a child. Like Bill Maher said, I want to be a pirate. Thank God nobody chopped chop my hand off and gave me a book, you know. Uh, that, that's the equivalent of what's happening. So this this twisted community uh, it, it, it is, is so isolated and they've cut themselves off. You know, the, the, the incredible, wonderful blessing of marriage has existed across human history, ordained by God, uh, and, and they're isolating themselves from that. And, and what, a, what a tragic, tragic loss to the individual to no longer be part of this, 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 this God-given blessing that has been in place across untold thousands of years, that they suddenly say all that's wrong. And they say, deconstruct, deconstruct the marriage, deconstruct religion, deconstruct our our our, our, our nation. What does that mean? And yourself, deconstruct, deconstruct it, yourself. You are nothing. Yeah, we can just pick yeah. you apart like a little boy picking apart his sister's doll. Yes. Deconstruct means to break it down to its component parts, to atomize, to destroy. That look for deconstruct faith online and google has over six million hits for deconstruct faith and that means destroy faith burn Mm -hmm. it down to the ground and start from the ground up because there's no redeeming value a lot of people have said recently what is woke what does it mean woke (laughs) well Mm -hmm. it's a word that the left use for themselves and they're awake and they see things that we don't see they see that marriage and the family is evil they see that our nation is evil. They're woke and we're asleep and we don't see those things. They have this perception. That's what woke means. Our nation is evil. Our family is evil. Our faith is evil. And it needs to be destroyed as, from the ground up, of course, with them in charge. Right. And, and, and that's and, social and, isolation. That is yes. destroying society, but it's also destroying the individual. I mean, look at what happened with COVID. It's this idea of you're infected you're a part of the infected mass, or even with the vaccines, you're a part of the infected unvaccinated, you're a part of the infected vaccinated. And this isolation that is so profound, it creates this dichotomy between humans that isn't actually there, but it's fueled, and we argue, by media. And this is why, and you look at the Christian understanding of the human person, we're all sinners. We're all called to that transformation in Christ who brings order in that nature to who we are as human beings but the social media culture this video gaming culture is getting so far away from um, what is so necessary for us as individuals and it's forcing us into that isolation you know and, and that really uh, it, it, I, I, it just identifies what we have to offer which is life eternal life abundant and what they have to offer is, is death and destruction uh, to 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 deconstruct everything that we love because right. it's it's fatally flawed. This and and I think one thing we got to know. Uh, I really believe that in a democracy or a republic such as ours, we are the rulers. Now look in the Old Testament how God punished the evil kings. I, I think we have the responsibility to use every bit of influence we have, our vote, our influence, our letters to our representatives, and and to move our nation towards paths of righteousness. And every politician, you know, the whole, that when we look at, at the way politicians grabbed power and the way politicians let go of power, the ones who disseminated responsibility, the ones who 
the ones who demanded you wear a mask and demanded you be vaccinated. Look at, look at how that was a litmus test for the righteous rulers who trusted and empowered and those who locked down our schools and locked down our people and kept them in masks endlessly. We have had the gift of a clear discernment of good politicians and evil politicians. And the ones who led the way to isolation, the ones who grabbed power and used it to destroy our schools and destroy our children and, and, and to, to atomize everything that we love, to shut down churches, the, those mm-hmm. elected leaders. We, we've had this incredible blessing of having our eyes completely cleared on who it is who will shut down our church and shut down our schools and destroy our children and the ones who are striving to do otherwise. Mm-hmm. And when it comes time to vote, we must move our nation towards paths Amen. of righteousness. This is the authority that we have been given as rulers of our nation, as the ones who vote and elect our leaders to vote towards righteousness. Uh, the, the sin of abortion, what an yes. abomination. And, and, and within all faiths, we should stand up for unborn life and we should vote against those politicians who endorse the, the right to, 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 and now that they've gone all the way out to third trimester. I mean, the day before the baby's right. born, you can reach right. in the mother's womb and, 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 and tear the baby apart and rip it out in pieces. And they're fighting for the right to do that. So this outrageous. is evil. Yeah. It's a, and we it's must a, stand up against it. Yes. It's an ideological crisis where you're only what you think you are. What is right is only what you think is right. It's absolute relativism and people don't realize it, that that is isolating you from the community because fundamentally we as human beings have intellect, we have free will, and we're social creatures. We are born into a family and that is a fundamental element of who who we are, of that dynamic of coming to know something through, in part, the influence and engagement with other human beings and coming to choose love, choose the other individual. And these are such fundamental parts of the ordering of who we are as human beings. But the ideological understanding today is isolating. It says that you're only what you think you are and you only do what you want to do. And this is what it leads to. This is the rational conclusion of absolute um, illogical thought in the human person and moral relativism. In the book of Genesis, it talked about every man did what was right in his own eyes. Mm-hmm. Tower that's of Babel. A definition of, yes, that's <laughs> the definition of evil. Yes. That's the definition yeah. of evil, to do what's right in your own eyes. You know, yes. and, and, and tear down the family, tear down the laws, tear down our nation, and do what you think is right. Versus, versus this culture and, of course, ultimately God. That's Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman today on Trending. Lieutenant Colonel, thank you for joining us and helping us to make sense of this senseless massacre that occurred in Nashville, understanding the need for faith, of truth, and of reason, and love to say that some of what we're doing in our culture is damaging and leading to crises such as these. And we all need to check our own hearts uh, and be accountable for how we might be fueling this ideological crisis that is damaging so many young people today. Lieutenant Colonel, thank you for being with us. You have to check out his books. We talked about Assassination Generation uh, that helps to explain the psychology of what's happening in the crisis of killing in our culture today and his new book that is now available on hunting, uh, finding that reasonable balance with human nature, with the creation God's given us and that understandable relation to creation and human death. You can find him at grossmanontruth.com. That's G-R-O-S-S-M-A-N 
truth.com. I'll be right back here on Trending to discuss that great virtue, that gift of the Holy Spirit, a fear of the Lord. listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Welcome back. Interesting question I received earlier uh, this week by Dad, who's a regular listener of Trending. Todd and Green Bay reached out. He's trying and hoping for a husband for his 25-year-old daughter, uh, who's single and living in Minneapolis, by the way, fellas. Um, PSA here. But I found it really interesting because he commented that she has a concern about going to Catholic events and kind of feeling like the people she's meeting are, quote, nerdy. Now, we could talk about the subjective versus objective side of this, but I do hear often from single Catholics that they're frustrated um, by some people they meet when they go to Catholic events and the fact that they're not really willing to engage in conversation, social skills are lacking. Um, I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying a common argument I've heard and I've seen it as well. Uh, And I think that it begs this question that some people who are Catholic and really wanting to look for a spouse are sometimes turned off by going to young Catholic events. Not that we should be spouse shopping, but it should be a place of meeting someone potentially. And so the question is, what are places she can do or what are things, where can she go to meet people? You know, I was thinking about this. If I were single and trying to meet someone today, especially, you know, as you work into your mid-20s and your 30s, you know, we have to be open to the fact that sometimes we're going into go into places that make us feel uncomfortable and we're not always going to find what we want. Um, sometimes that means there's a transformation that needs to occur in our own hearts, but also sometimes that means we need to be more open to the other people that are there and be consistent and persistent that sometimes God will send other people um, there if we are willing to take the time and spend the time to be with others of our faith and not just, you know, say, okay, I tried it once, I went, didn't meet anyone, done. I, I don't think that's how life works, <laughs> just going once and giving up because we were less than satisfied or quote unquote, as I hear from people, you know, they thought people people who were nerdy was there. Again, that's subjective. I guess we could argue in this conversation. But if I was single and as I lived my single years, you know, I really did spend time uh, going and I still do, but spent time going to adoration, going to daily mass, looking to those people who God was sending that way. I'm going to young Catholic professional events. Those are actually, you know, Catholic group of events where you can meet people who are Catholic and professionals working in their uh, area of work. And maybe you don't find one in your diocese. That's great that you're meeting people. Maybe you go to the diocese or event next door that takes a little bit of travel. Uh, But I think these things are things we need to be more open to and not just say, hey, I went once or just even twice and didn't meet someone, but put in the time and work to cultivate um, yourself in that place rather than just objectifying maybe that Catholic event as the place you're going to meet someone, but rather a place to be transformed 
and meet people that might help change you and change who you're open to meeting as well. And again, asking God to send uh, those people your way, being open to his great work and being open to the timing that he has, as difficult as it can be. I know I've been there. Um, My husband and I dated for way too many years before we got married. And there's so much that could be discussed about that, but that desire and longing is there. And we need to work with God in his timing Uh, But that also means getting uncomfortable as well. You're listening to Trending with Tim Ray here on Relevant Radio. Okay, I received a question from Terrence. He wrote me an email asking about my take on fear of the Lord. He said, I read this a few weeks back while reading Liturgy of the Hours, and he said he also heard me talk about fear of the Lord on Trending here. He said he's come across fear of the Lord as he's been praying for penitence and humility this Lent. So what is fear of the Lord? How can we talk about it? Well, fear of the Lord is one of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. I would really argue that fear of the Lord, like all of the virtues, but especially this one, in particular, fear of the Lord brings proper order to our lives. In so many ways, fear of the Lord brings proper order to our lives. Now, this is difficult to fathom in a culture that hates authority, hierarchy, patriarchy. Yet all of those things are good things. That's a curveball we can talk about another day. But here's the reality. Fear of the Lord establishes that hierarchy that should be present within our mind, body, and soul with regard to creation, human relationships, and all of that under the great authority of God. It's a dichotomy in a certain respect of love. It's this idea of fear out of love, which is different from fear and trembling. Fear and love, believe it or not, can exist side by side, but it's a different definition of fear than we would ponder in our society such as hearing about the awful massacre that happened this week in Tennessee that we've been discussing today. That might make you afraid if you have a child in a school. It might make you afraid if you're a teacher or if you're a Christian because it was a targeted attack on Christians. But fear of the Lord is a virtue. It's a good thing. You see, the difference, and I think we can use an analogy here, Say, think of a husband and a wife, and a spouse might um, have this great love for their spouse, right? Um, And they can have a rightly ordered sense of fear that could be a fear out of harming an individual, being inconsistent in that relationship, or scandalizing them, which is radically different from having a fear of your spouse because of their anger or their reaction to something, or that they'll leave you. See, when we deeply love someone, there's an element of fear of harming that relationship. In a certain respect, I think that brings us to understanding fear of God, that when we have fear of the Lord, it isn't that we are terrified and trembling. There is a certain respect of that respect that needs to be there, but that's not what we're talking about. Fear of the Lord is that dichotomy of love that is present, that we want to bring rightly ordered um, understanding of love into our lives and that we wouldn't want to do anything that would separate us from the love of God, from the right order of God, from the commandments God has written into our human nature, written into our bodies, written into divine revelation. Read the word of God. See sometimes how it's radically opposed to how we are living our lives in our fallen nature. And how we can rightly order our lives through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, especially through the sacraments, confession, and therefore if we are ready and predisposed to rightly receive the Eucharist, our Lord Jesus Christ and Holy Communion, 
that we're bringing ourselves back into alignment through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to be with him. So again, fear of the Lord is rightly ordered relationship with God. It's bringing that order out of love for him. There is a whole treatise on this by uh, St. Hilary. And it talks about fear of the Lord. I'll actually post a link to it on social media in the episode notes for today's show, which you can find all episodes of Trending on the Relevant Radio app, as well as at relevantradio.com forward slash trending. But in a commentary on the Psalms and the Proverbs, St. Hilary talks about fear of the Lord. And he says, if you cry out for wisdom and raise your voice for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for treasure, then you will understand fear of the Lord. Well, ponder for a moment, what is wisdom? What is understanding? Those two are two of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, wisdom and understanding. And as St. Hilary says, that it's like looking for silver and search for a treasure, that we come to a proper understanding of fear of the Lord when we turn to God in his wisdom, in his understanding, in his right order for our lives. St. Hilary said, well, We must begin by crying out for wisdom. We must hand over to our intellect the duty of making every decision. In other words, we need to be reasonable human beings, acknowledging God, his dominion over all of creation, our need for him, his plan, his blueprint for the human person and all of creation, and acknowledging ourselves in humility as creatures before the creator. This is radically opposed to the culture of relativism, of I define my own reality. I do what I want to do. Humility and fear of the Lord go hand in hand. And fear of the Lord is bringing order to our lives that God intended. And out of love, we submit ourselves to that great gift of all that God has given us, including our very existence. Coming up next is a family rosary across America.